Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, welcome people to episode 178 of Dude and the Monkey. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Ian Loring, hello. Uh, and today we are going to bring you another, another double review. Uh, we brought you a double review last week, I believe. Mm. Did we? Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm right, yeah. And we're bringing you a double review next week as well, I think, aren't we? Yes, we are next yeah. week. I can't remember last week. Yeah, we, we are we are just doubling up all that we did. We did Blair Witch and something else. Hope for the world of people. Hope for the world of people, yes, we did. And then next week we're going to bring you another double review. We're just, we're just fucking flinging reviews at you like motherfuckers. Okay. This week it is The Magnificent Seven and Rob Zombie's latest offering, uh, 31. Uh, we're also going to chat some trailers. We'll do some tangents, I'm sure. And a bit of what we've been watching. I think we've got a couple of questions and other bits and bats. Is there anything that's happened in, like, the four or five days since we last recorded? No, I don't think so. Like, yeah. we were just talking about football off mic, but fun yes. stuff. It'll be all I, I, news by the time this goes up. It, it will, but as we are recording, it would seem like Sam Ardice is about to leave uh, the... Well, leave the England national job uh, with a staggering one game um, in which he basically said after it, well, we're really can play where he wants, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> that will be the overriding. What is it? I'd like some of the um, some of the sort of caption things that have been coming out, which have been the stills of Allardyce sat, and then people saying put, putting their own caption in things like um, "If you can't get a seat at a Toby Carvery, just mention my name" <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> There's some great ones. <laughs> what I know, what a hilarious clusterfuck. Yes, he is. He's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, we might as well delve straight into it then, Ian. Um, trailers. Uh, what trailers have you been watching this this past week? I've got no fucking idea, man. Um, like legitimately, I've got no idea. Hang on. Have I even watched any? Have I even watched any? Have I even watched any? Uh, I, I watched I, the I King Cobra. I watched the King Cobra trailer. Which. I was going to see at LFF on Thursday, but I'm now not. Um, basically, because I, it's an eight-hour round coach trip for two films, and I can't. I I don't know. I like. I'd, I'd rather just have. And also, I've got the Cardiff Half Marathon on Sunday, and I need to go for a long run. So, never mind. So are you- are you, are you not doing LFF at all then this I'm, year? I'm or? doing, yeah, no, I am. Um, like, I'm literally, I'm halfway through my first online screener film, which I'll talk about next week, and uh, I'm going up in a couple of weeks a couple of times. So, all right. Yeah, I'm going to have a bit to talk about. But yeah, anyway, sorry, go on. How was the trailer? Uh, it looks all right. Um... I mean, it's hard to judge from the trailer where it's what, what it's trying to pitch itself as, whether or not it's trying to pitch itself as a a slightly more kind of dramatic look at, you know, of, of taking the idea of Magic Mike, that kind of thing, of guys, in, in situations where you usually have girls, you're going to put guys there, and it dealing with the male porn uh, explosion of online, looking at it from that side. Um, you can't tell whether or not it, it's going in there a little bit kind of tongue-in-cheek, or, to excuse the phrase, um, or whether or not it is actually a serious drama. You can't quite put your foot on it from that and you can never tell uh, when something stars James Franco which which James Franco you're going to get turned up uh, so yeah so it, I'm interested in what I'll say okay nice 
Um, what else? Uh, the beat beneath my feet. Um, Luke Perry plays a presumed dead uh, musician uh, from the sort of grunge scene of the early 90s. Uh, and what would you know? He gets discovered uh, by the guy living in the flat above him in uh, London. Uh, the guy living in the flat above him, it would appear, is wanting to sort of, you know, establish himself as a musician um, and wants to contribute in his school's battle of the bands, but he's a little bit too nervous and doesn't know how to play guitar, so enlists Luke Perry to, to teach him, and it's one of those kind of coming-of-age drama-comedy style of things. Um, the trailer actually looks alright, to be honest. It looks quite interesting at least and very frothy um but the sort of thing where you go do you know what i could see myself watching that at some point okay <laughs> so yeah so that looks not you know entertaining enough um the second trailer for deserto the gail garcia banal um and oh what's his name fuck oh i forgot his name Play the comedian in what is it? And it's fantastic. Oh, Jeopardy Jeopardy Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. yeah, Jeopardy Morgan. Fantastic and everything, Jeopardy Morgan. So, yes, I will be watching Dessert. Uh, looks like it's pitched itself more as like a, as like a psychological horror slash thriller. It looks quite interesting, actually. Okay. Uh, and the Denzel Washington uh, directed and starring film Fences. Right. Uh, it, 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 it's Denzel in fucking... I remember I'm Denzel Washington uh, mode uh, alongside Viola Davis. From what it looks like uh, from the trailer, it is it's it's a family kind of drama. The, the trailer starts out with his, his son saying to him, "Why don't you like me?" Uh, and then the trailer kind of throws out shots as the as Denzel's character is explaining all the reasons to his kid for what all the things he does to him that does does for him like putting a roof over his head and everything like that and then finishing it saying I know I do all that so I don't have to like you nice um, <laughs> but it does look like I mean then Washington he's made a, he's directed a couple of films um, but it's not something he's, he's heavily thrown himself into he, he's he seemingly dips into it every sort of ten years or so um, but it does look like this could be pretty damn good actually um, it's definitely one I'll, I'll, I'll definitely catch it I mean it's Denzel Washington and Viola Davis so you know at the very least it's going to be well acted yeah, there's going to be a level of quality there isn't there yeah. there is yeah, there yeah. Is. and um, Denzel Washington's I'm trying to remember which ones it is that he, that he directed they were both quite I think he's done two or maybe three I think uh, previous um, and they were no, they were quite good actually I remember oh there was uh, the, the fucking wasn't there one about writers or something? Um, yeah. Ah, um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. I have to find out now. So, yeah, so, but that looks good, but it looks like it could be quite quite weighty and make you go, uh, you'll know you've been watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antoine Fisher, yeah. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that was good. I enjoyed that. And The Great Debaters as well. Yes, okay. Which again was actually really quite good. So yeah, yeah, these you know it's it, it's trending of a similar sort of theme, a similar sort of morality, I suppose, within it. So it could be yeah, looking forward to that. Oh, nice. Uh, beyond that, no, that, that's that's all I've seen trailer wise this week. Oh, I keep seeing the um, the trailer for Girl on the Train. Yeah, I I right. it, it kind can of can I just... ask you a question? Yeah, go on, go on. Right. 
Now, Becky's read the book. I haven't read the book. I don't want to know. I've said to Becky, I don't want to know what happens. I want to watch the film. I know that's you should do that. You should read the book, but film is my medium, so there we go. Um, right, the opening line of the trailer is a really bizarre line, and it started to bug me and started to put me off the rest of the film. What is it? Uh, it's Haley Bennett says something along the lines, and I might be paraphrasing slightly here, that her teacher once told her she's the mistress of self reinvention. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, that's, like, why the fuck would you teach? Do you know what? Yeah. I think I tweeted about that. When, Did like, you? <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, hang on. Fuck. I, I tweet a lot. So better, keep keep going, though. I'm going to find yeah, it. Yeah, and she said it. And the first time, I, it, it must have glared straight past me. And then the second time, I saw it. I remember thinking, that's fucking weird. <laughs> I was, like, thinking... I don't think a teacher's ever said that to anybody. Why would? And then it started thinking, what situation was she in for a teacher to have said that to her? It's just, it's a very peculiar line uh, within the film. So yeah, that's that's starting to to to, to bipple me a little bit and put me off what, what looks like it could be quite a good thriller, to be honest. Are you? Fuck, I I I think I'm nearly there. Are you nearly there? I think I'm nearly there. But yeah, it's 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 a peculiar one. I, did I see something else? Trailer for something else? It's uh, also, I'm getting, I got it. Yeah. On the 11th September, no teacher ever told student they were the mistress of reinvention. Damn it, girl on the train trailer, stop <laughs> being silly. Yeah. Well, yes, we both agree on that then. <laughs> like, yeah. No. No, your teacher did not ever, ever, ever tell. I, I yeah. I, I'm interested because it kind of looks like Emily Blunt might be a bit nutty and might violently shag someone at some point. So I'm kind of up for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Ian, will you be doing it in 4DX? <laughs> oh, are we doing that, are we? It was a fucking good segue, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you want to talk the Magnificent Seven film first and then your DX experience? Oh, let's, fucking, let's just get the 4DX out of the way, shall we? All right. So... Yes. <laughs> So, bubbles. Well, there weren't any. But right, so. <laughs> I'd be fucking jamming the bubbles button. My my local Cineworld have introduced something called 4DX, which I'm an unlimited card holder, and so I got a discounted price on it. It cost me £4.20 something. If you're not how an much, unlimited. How much usually then, yeah. It's about 16 Now, you walk in, and all the seats in the screen are these 4DX seats. So, if you're annoyed by it, you can't get out of it, basically. And there's also, they also had someone actually sitting in the screen all the time, I think making sure people didn't fall off them. Um, Great. They can't put put a fucking usher in a screening of something and telling people to start using their fucking phones, but they can help idiots get back in a chair. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, like, you couldn't even... If she wasn't there, I would have genuinely have sat down just on the steps uh, uh, at one point. So, basically, it's an experience which involves wind, smoke, water, um, strobe lighting, and... Bubbles. There were no bubbles in my one, but Cineworld advertised the use of bubbles. 
What? How many films have bubbles? There's also that. There's also that. So, and the seats move. So, first off, like, through the ads and the trailers and stuff, not, like, there's nothing, nothing's happening, that's fine. Um, and then it went dark, and after about a minute, a trailer for the new Forza Horizon game on the Xbox One played, with vibrating seats all over the fucking place, <laughs> and then at one point strobe, and wind, and the thing is, the wind machine, right, there is the, the, there's wind, and there's air, so there's wind machines, which are these massive, like, fucking machines, partly obscuring the top right of the screen, one of them, that was a delight, um, <laughs> when it's in scope, um, which Magnuson yeah. 7 was, you know, yeah. big widescreen film, and about three seconds before the wind actually starts, you just hear them whirring up, Oh. so... Already, I'm like, those can't be on for the entire fucking film, can they? Because I'm just hearing, oh, like, yes, the film is louder than that, but come on. Yeah. Um, and then the thoughts of trailer ends. It's about thirty seconds. Then it plays again. Then about thirty seconds. And then the girl, the, the usher girl, bless her, she's like, right, they're talking in my ear. They're having some problems here. Bear with us. And then it plays again. <laughs> and then after about five minutes, they're like, right, okay, we're good now. So then it, it starts. And the the seats, when the, when the horses are, go, are, like, are, are, are being ridden, like the seats are bouncing around. Generally, at random points sometimes, the seats just sl- slowly move, which was weird. Um... There's a moment in The Magnificent Seven where uh, Lee Byung-hyun, or Byung-hyun Lee, whichever way around it is, my apologies, throws a knife at someone and it skims the side of their head, right? When it skimmed the side of their head, a puff of air came out on the the side of my ear and I shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) But, so... That's interesting. Don't don't get me wrong. That's interesting. Now, also, when characters are being shot from close range, like there's like little motors in the back of the chair that lightly pummel your back. <laughs> You're abused. <laughs> Kinda. Right. <laughs> the thing is, there's quite a lot of shooting in the Magnificent Seven. Towards the climax, there's a lot of point black shooting. So I am sat there leaning forward in my chair because I don't want to be pummeled in the back by my seat. (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. Right. When there's explosions, smoke goes off in the front of the screen and obscures the screen for a good 20, 30 seconds. Right. Oh, and at the end of the film, the, the like the closing lines that Haley Bennett um, 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 says, couldn't hear her because of the wind machine. Wow. So. Not a fan then. No. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, it's basically being violently molested for two <laughs> hours and paying for it. 
<laughs> whilst not being able to watch. Well, yeah, while not being able to focus on the film that you're watching, either because there's a wind machine obscuring part of the screen, or there's smoke in front of it. It's it's an it does sound like an ill-conceived idea. It's it's fucking mental. I mean, and the thing is, it's like what because they're gonna have to fill this screen with something every week. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like, what are they going to do during, like, I don't know, like, November? Well, I suppose Doctor Strange is out then. I suppose there's a big film that plays long enough to kind of sustain it now. But what's the girl on the train going to be? <laughs> Just a little train thing like, going Every in. now and then you're trying, <laughs> like, the, the, it vibrates. Then when you see, like, that, what I'm assuming is the scene of, like, the girl being killed or something, your seat's just going to attack you. <laughs> and, like, I, I, it just, it is... It's not for people who like going to the cinema to watch films. It, it, no, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds a little bit like it. It sounds a little bit like it's an experience thing. Yeah, no, t- yeah, it is. But like, like something that, that, that they that they have that they think there is no way this is going to be here in a year and a half's time. I mean, to be fair, they decked out the screen and like it looks like. They, I, I don't. Know, it looks like they spent some money, um, but for yeah. sixteen quid a pop, maybe yeah, you'll do it the once. But was there many people in watching it? There was a few. It was twenty past twelve on a Sunday, and there was maybe about a dozen people. That's not too bad, then, is it? Yeah, I, I, it just, it's. Oh, Allardyce is gone. Um, but he's gone. Yeah, expected to be replaced by Gareth Southgate in the short term. Um, well, I mean, like, he's already said he doesn't want the job, though, doesn't he? So they just got yeah. parachute him in. Anyway, yeah, it was. It, it was kind of a joke, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, if you're intrigued by the sound of it, I'd maybe recommend going for a shorter film. And, yeah. I mean, seriously, the back, the like, the being like, it being, it, it's kind of like being. More than tapped, but less than punched in the back. Shoved. Kinda, yeah. And it, it, it genuinely, it got really annoying. Um, so it's it, it's it's fucking mental. They've actually turned the cinema into a fairground ride. Um, <laughs> and I I don't know, like it is it is a little. I don't know. I mean, like if I want to get like that deeply. Interacting with the experience, I'll play a game. Yeah, yeah, it's that. It seems like an idea that I don't know whether they'll end up putting like games. I don't know if there's a way they can put games competitions on in there or something like that. You don't know. Yeah, I, could, could, could could be the future of cinema. I, I have to fuck. I hope not. But it, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the film. Cool. Right, the Magnificent Seven uh, is a remake of the '60s western, which is a remake of the '50s uh, samurai movie. Uh, obviously, the western was called The Magnificent Seven, and the samurai movie was called Seven Samurai, and happens to be one of the greatest movies and definitely one of the greatest action movies of all time. Uh, directed by Anton Fuqua and starring Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt. Ethan Hawke, Vincent D'Onofrio, Byung-Hung Lee, Manuel Garcia Ruflo, um, Peter Sarsgaard, Hayley Bennett, and everyone's favourite, Cam Gijande. Uh, really? Yeah. Did you not? Did you not? Did you not know it? Was he? Was he? Was he one of um, Peter Sarsgaard's minions? He was indeed. Yeah, he yeah. fucking was as well. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching it going... Oh, that's everyone's favourite Cam Gujande. Cam Gujande, <laughs> man, he's back! He's back! <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that. Um, so, you know, the story is, in case anybody doesn't know, Peter Sarsgaard plays Bartholomew Bog, who has the town Rose Creek uh, under his iron fist, we'll say, and he's squeezing the town for all he can take it for, and basically offering them a pittance for their land to get them out, because he owns the local gold mine. Uh, the townspeople um, send Haley Bennett, or actually they don't. She kind of goes off on her own and enlists uh, Denzel Washington's character Sam Chisholm, who's a bounty hunter, who then enlists his six um, cohorts, we'll call them, uh, to come and protect the town and to rid them of uh, Bartholomew Bug, who Denzel Washington has has history with, shall we say? Uh, Ian. The Magnificent Seven. Uh, what, did, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I liked it. Um, it. It does already feel like it's disappearing from my memory, and I watched it two days ago. Um, even though maybe the being raped in the cinema was... Uh, <laughs> was, was a, um, uh, what's the side effect of that? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's entertaining while it's on. You know, um, it, it does... It, it feels like it's got... Maybe, kind of, something slightly to say about the 99% and the 1%, maybe. Um, but, yeah, uh, I like I mean, I mean, like that they know Peter Sarsgaard would not last five minutes against them, so they wisely just have him stand in the background and sneer until the end. And he gets a couple of decent speeches. I mean, I think he's, that, that first speech, he's good and moustache-twirly and villainy, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, it's fun, I suppose, but not really much more. Ish. <laughs> what do you think? I loved it. Oh, really? I really I, 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 good I, on you, good on you. Really, really, really did. Um... I'm a, I'm a Westerns fan, um, and you know I'm also a fan of the the films of Anton Fuqua. Um, I, I liked everybody in it as well. Um, in, individually, I think they're all pretty good. Um, and so it, it, even if if you'd have taken and said, "Oh, it, it's it's a a new Western," you've got my interest. Oh, it's a new Anton Fuqua movie. You've got my interest. Oh, it, it, it's this cast. Okay, you've got my interest. So throw it all together and. Yeah, that. But I think always with any kind of when you take a genre like the Western genre. I mean, for instance, we we had uh, Hello High Water a few weeks ago, which was is a a, a Western as well, um, but it is set in modern times and was fantastic. Um, what I was worried about is uh, that this would end up being a little bit something like um, Gangster Squad, where you've taken all or even something like. Uh, um, Barcelona's Gatsby, where you, you've taken an older conceit of film, an older premise and genre of film, or this perceived older genre of film, and you bring it up to, you make it now, and then what you do is you throw a load of wire work at it, and you throw a hip-hop soundtrack at it, and all of those things, and I was, I was going in there worried that that's what I was going to get, and was actually quite comforted by, very early on by the fact that, oh no, it, it, it just is a proper 
again a, a proper western, yeah, I mean, which was I thought was really cool. The most the most kind of like contemporary thing about it is probably the casting of Chris Pratt as yeah, the second is. lead. You know, it's very yeah. now casting that. Absolutely, and and there is there is that kind of. Um, that kind of sarcastic reverence that, that Chris Pratt brings within his character to that, which is very good uh, and, and adds a little bit of something different, but always shows the edge of never quite going. It's never, he's never quite kind of winking at the camera or anything like that. It's a balance. But yeah, it's a perfect balance. And then when you get to the, it got to like the end where, where you know, essentially the town was about to come and, um, you had uh, the Kamachi um, guy uh, come up and say they're coming, they're about, they'll be here at dawn. At that moment, I kind of I looked at my watch, and it wasn't because I looked at my watch going, you know, looking at the watch, sort of counting down the time. I looked at my watch and thought, are we getting a forty-minute battle scene? Look, we're getting a forty-minute battle scene. All right, fair enough. I am, um, yes. And at that moment, I was sort of sat, quite literally, romance kind of going, oh. Is this where it loses it all, though? Is this where you get the out-of-this-world jumping around and why work? I just, don't, I just don't think we're going to get that from this director. And then we didn't. It was it was really refreshing to see a, a battle scene, uh, which is what it is. It's, it's a battle scene that is played out that looks... Can I just, can I just confirm, like, Mark? Is it a battle scene? It is a battle okay. scene, yes. All right, cool. Um, that plays out and looks like it could have actually happened it looks grounded in a reality which is something that in modern kind of blockbusters we're not really that used to anymore we don't really see that we either see fantasy battle scenes and i'm not criticizing these or you get the superhero um battles where it it, it just is he's gonna fly around he's gonna fly around he's gonna do this he's gonna do this and everybody gets their their little bit within the ending but it, it does feel it, feel, it felt like it had a bit of reality to it, which was which was nice and refreshing. But yeah, and I, I I loved it, and we'll we'll go into the, the more bits that I loved about it, and hopefully that you <laughs> enjoyed about it. Um, but yeah, casting as well was was spot on, um, and Vincent D'Onofrio's voice was strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I, actually, I was I was going to bring that up because like the very first scene that he's in, yeah. it's like really high pitched, yeah, and it, really high, and then he seems to kind of like chill that out in the subsequent scenes and i think like because his character in that moment was basically just like left for dead basically and i i don't know maybe he thinks well if i was in that position maybe my voice would go high um i don't know but i i I don't know i mean like after daredevil and jurassic world and and now this that guy's pretty fucking versatile yeah, he is. He, I mean, he's always been a very, he's, he's always been a great actor. He's just kind of, he's gone very under the radar and has kind of started to crop back up again and people have gone, Vincent oh, Doffier, isn't he fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 exactly. No, I mean, he does kind of feel like if he plays his cards right, he's got a best supporting actor kind of thing um like oh, yeah. coming up for him in a few years with the right role you know um yeah i, I it just I, I mean i'm glad you had such a good time with it I, I like it is very entertaining i just i came away from it kind of thinking like yeah that was fun okay on with the rest of my day and i suppose there's there's um you know there's a lot of merit to that 
Um, but maybe with a film that's two and a quarter hours long and is another remake of this concept. Holy shit. What? It's over two hours long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think, I didn't think it was over two hours long. Okay. Fair enough. No, good, uh, I mean, <laughs> no, good on you, man. I mean, yeah. I, 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 don't, I mean, the thing is, I am saying all this with the massive caveat that I didn't enjoy my theatrical presentation experience. Yeah, because there's, there's, there's that. I mean, I like I said, I, it's... It's got a hell of a pace to it as well. It picks up quite quickly. Let's say there's, it establishes to an extent the the characters sort of quite quite quickly and quite. It does, yeah. It, it doesn't. It, it don't fuck about with it. It basically says this is this guy, this is this guy, and this is this guy. But then there's no, there's no kind of hidden moments within them. They very much are what they are. And there's this kind of people. I've seen people say, oh well. Uh, I read a few reviews post actually watching it. People saying, "Oh yeah, but it's just the same old, same old of what we've seen." And it's like you are aware that it's a remake of a remake, so it, it is kind of gonna have certain. And they weren't just saying like in terms of what they were saying things like the Ethan Hawke character going and then the redemption of coming back and and things like that and the the town being at siege by and all these men are just saving them apart from and then only a few get away. And it's like. That's because th- these things started with things like Seven Samurai, and this is this, this is that. If they changed it, it wouldn't be the magnificent fucking Seven. It'd just be another film. Um, and I I, I I I like the fact that there was consequences to it, so you know going in that that, that certain ones of them are going to to die. And I like the fact that they didn't push it out and go, well, everyone loves Chris. Remember all spoilers all the time, guys. Everyone loves Chris Pratt, so we can't kill him. Because we, we might get a magnificent 11 or a magnificent 4 or something like that. We might get a sequel out of it. it, it this, this movie exists on its own and will always exist on its own. And I like that they were kind of franchise chasing a little bit for that. Because there must have been a temptation, it, not from the filmmakers, but from the studio for going, hang on a minute, if we've got this cast and it's a massive success, don't we leave the door open for something else? Well, no, you don't. <laughs> and I mean, it's it's interesting, I suppose, that the uh, the characters who survive are the black guy, the Asian guy, and the Indian. Yeah. You know, like I, I is there a little bit? I, I I don't know. I just think that that is kind of interesting. To be fair, if we did get a sequel, and if it was those three teaming up with some new people, sure, why not? You know, but yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I mean. Ethan, Ethan Hawke being in there, um, I his character was a little. Is he supposed to be fun? Is he supposed to be deadly serious? I, I like I, I, I and I mean when he comes back in the end, you know he's going to come back, but it does kind of feel mm. like he kind of set out his stall that he wasn't going to come back, and I don't, I didn't quite. I don't think him coming back quite stuck the landing. And, and as soon as he comes back, it's like, all right, well, he's dead then. Yeah, you know he's going to come back. When he goes, it's kind of like, you know he's going to come back heroically and and, and, and then die. That's that. It's his redemption. He has to die because that's his, it's his, his redemption for all that he did. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's, that that's it. And, and the fact that, it, you know, that, that, Billy dies by his side works very well, and it, it it does have that scene as well. The fact is that they, you know, you've just had Chris Pratt goes quite 
spectacularly, and it, it, it's, it's almost a little mini set piece within the, within the set piece. Yeah. It's, it's the Pratt going one, uh, but then you know the, the death of, of uh, Ethan Hawke and Lee Byung Hong, uh, that just happens, snap, snap, like that, and that's it. And it, it's the, the it doesn't push those too much. It is. It, I say it's a lot of fun as well. It, 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 it and it was a, sorry. Does, I was just going to say when, but it, it was a good practical stunt as well. Mm. When Ethan Hawke, like or that stunt man, rolls down that roof and then just fucking slams hard on the ground. Yeah. As well, like that, like that. Oh, fuck! I wish I didn't watch this in 4D. Bloody X. Well, the thing is, it, it's like I was saying about that, about that, the last sort of 40 minutes. It, it's fantastic because th- there is, these are real guys. There's a, there's a, there's a bit where um, Lee Byung Hun is, is running, uh, and he's running to the end of um, a, a, a decking, and he jumps and swivels and shoots as he's running, as he's behind him, and as he falls down. And there's a lot of kind of that, and you're watching going, it, it's great, it's because this is all stuntmen. Um, the act, some of the actors doing the stunts, and it's real things blowing up, and it's it's all of this. It's it, 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 it's largely practical effects, which just it feels nicer. It feels to, to watch. It's more. Beck said when she came out to, to what she loved about that last uh, about the, the the kind of the shootout was you could you could tell what was going on all of the time. Sure, yeah. Um, she said which. Sometimes you can't in these blockbusters when everything's manic and everything's you know crazy and you know and they, they use the oh well it's to bring the audience into the chaos of everything and it's a bit like alright that's okay but sometimes you use that as an excuse for just muddling things up uh, and so, you know, it, it was nice to be able to go I know exactly everything that's going on and at no point does it come up and I go wait a minute wasn't he just over there or was that blah or what's what's going on there is he fighting who's he fighting what's he fighting so, it was just it was just a shootout absolutely and, it, and it, it was it was it was nice and I think I saw it on a on Monday um, at about half eleven in the morning and there was a few other people in the screening but. It was majoritively, uh, it was all guys as well, apart from Becky. <laughs> the rest was all guys. But it was, it was majoritively, I would say, guys in their, I would say, late 30s, early 40s. Most of them with what I would assume is their dad. Sure, okay. And there was a lot of that. And it was like, it's cool the fact that, that, that this film is, it, it, it it's pitching itself to the white people. And I saw a few, I saw a, a tweet of um, somebody, I can't remember who it was, saying that they were going to see it because uh, Lee Byung Hun was in it. And they felt no shame in that at all. Nice. And it was like, do you know what? There's a lot of people going to enjoy this movie. I hope the fucking miserable, fucking vagina sand wielding, fucking ball merchants don't end up going oh yeah but it's just meaningless violence now like the women are all underplayed in it no they're not actually Haley Bennett fucking kicks ass and takes names uh, in it. It, it it's cool and I I really really enjoyed it yeah okay no yeah no absolutely man I, I it just it um I, my, my experience was addled so I'm I mean I, I'm saying definitely not shit for sure oh yeah you know, I, I, I will, I, I'm very, very sure I'll watch it again. Um, 
I wish I had a good, as good a time as you. Yeah, I'm obviously definitely not shit on it. It, it, it. it may well trump my top ten of the year, to be honest, for the amount of fun I had with it. Nice. Uh, which, I'm, which I'm glad about. It's nice, you know, it's really nice. Going to watch a film and enjoying it. It's, it's really, really nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, our, our feature film review, Paul Magnificent yeah, 7. Uh, nice, yes. um, Sorry. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, uh, definitely not shit, 64%, which I'm very glad about. Uh, Touching Cloth, 9%. Miserable Bastards, 27%. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, that a lot of the, the general consensus seems to be that people are enjoying it. And it, it's doing quite well for itself as well. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, right, shall we move on to 31, a film that not that many people are going to watch um, at the cinema. Mm. But then again, there is, a part of that is because it, it the pitching itself as a, as a VOD. Wouldn't want to watch this on 4DX, I tell you. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> if, you, if you thought Magnificent felt 7 felt like being raped. Oh, you haven't seen anything yet, Sunny Jim. I, 31 um, is directed and written by Rob Zombie. Uh, it is the it's it, it's the kind of like new concept movie for him, isn't it? Uh, because House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Reject, and even his um, animated one, El Superfast Murder, was kind of set in that world as well. And then he did the Halloween films as well. So I suppose um, Lords of Salem as well was was set on its own, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. So. One is a it's what's set in the seventies. Of course, it is. It's a Rob Zombie film. Um, Thirty one is a game uh, that is played by rich eccentrics. Uh, one of them being uh, Malcolm McDowell. They have captured five. Did um, uh, ever really establish what they do? They're like performers of some description, or they work they're, for something. What the, like, I thought they were. I thought they were kind of rich people who had kind of... No, the... the, 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 the oh, like, sorry, the, sorry, forgive me. Yeah, yeah I think that's... Yeah, because they're talking about, like, circus acts and stuff, aren't they? Yeah. I think, like, circus hands or something like sure. that will say. Yeah. Right? Uh, they are captured and then wake up within this game world, and uh, essentially they are locked there for 12 hours in this game of 31, where they are hunted down and attempt to be killed in like a, a 70s running man kind of thing um, Ian, Rob Zombie he's a lot of people love his aesthetic and love his style and, and love his films and a lot of people don't he's quite kind of marmite as a filmmaker uh, I've got on with most of his films uh, but I can see how they could could grate on, on a number of other people uh, what was your feelings on, on 31? Um, yeah, so I mean, I I rather liked Lords of Salem. I thought it was by far his yeah, best. Yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was so I went into this somewhat somewhat hopeful, you know. Um, but I don't know. The, the thing is that Lords of Salem actually kind of felt like, even though it was Sherry Moon Zombie and it was a horror film, it, it felt like he was stretching himself, and it was it felt a bit less like a metal fan making a film than a filmmaker making a musically aware horror film. Yeah. Whereas this kind of does feel like Rob Zombie going back to his well and doing the shouty, sweary, southern fried gore thing. 
but with Malcolm McDowell in a wig. Um, <laughs> but I didn't hate it. I the the first twenty twenty five minutes was nails on chalkboard. Even though, even, though, <laughs> even though actually I'd say that, but the opening scene with um, Doomhead's monologue. Ooh. Yeah, Richard Burke, is it? Yeah, yeah Richard Burke. Richard Brake. Uh, Brake, who I, I think is actually pretty good in this. Um, yeah. It's sub-Tarantino dialogue that he's doing, but I, li- yes. I like that he's doing it, and it's black and white, and he's kind of like walking towards the camera, and, you know, the, the, like, the, the fire in his eyes is very well done. Um, mm. But then it cuts to Sherry Moon Zombie and friends swearing at each other, and... Like that, Meg Foster when she sat with those two girls and it's like, let me tell you how you get the money. It's like licky, 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 fucky, fucky, fucky. Yeah. But come on, really, really. Yeah. I, it, it, it it was it, it, it was at that point you kind of looking down going, oh Rob, no, not again, not again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when it gets into the Running Man thing. I don't know. I I started to get on board, and I thought that Sherry Moon Zombie, her kind of arc in the film, I thought was 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 pretty well done. And I think she's a good. She could be a good physical actress. Yeah. Just when she's talking, it's a problem. Um, but I think she wears the the mania well towards the end. I will say. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that, let's get your thoughts. I'm, I'm, I'm mixed on it. I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't hate it as much as I hated his Halloween films, but it was disappointing after Laws of Salem. Yeah, um, it's a mess yeah, of a film. Yeah, it is, it is. But I don't know whether sometimes that's what Zombie is going for. I don't, I'm not saying he means to do it, but what I'm saying is, is he doesn't care that it happens. Because he just accepts that that's part of the aesthetic of, of his films is that they don't necessarily have to kind of make sense because they're not set in a real world. They're set in Rob Zombie's 70s, um, 1976, not the actual 1976, where around the corner there is always somebody looking to play a game of murder. Um, and, you know, the performances are typically zombie there. He has developed a style that you can instantly, you could instantly put on a Rob Zombie film in two years' time and go, "Oh, this is the new film by." I'm not going to tell you it's by. I'm going to give you five minutes to to, to, to guess, and you go, "This is the new Rob Zombie, isn't it?" He, he's got that, uh, and yeah, it says Shaman Zombie. She isn't Shaman Zombie in 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 other people's movies. She probably would come across as a not great actress. Which is why she doesn't do other people's movies. But within this, the, the world Rob Zombie creates, she she fits for some reason. She just does. Um, the other problem is some of the characters didn't feel didn't fit. The you know the lead guy, I suppose, as close as you get to it, he didn't fit. He felt um, he always felt a little bit like he wasn't going to contribute much apart from a little bit of talking himself up, but even he didn't seem to talk himself up very well. Um, and, you, you know, you had the the, the, two, um, the two black guys were good, but they didn't seem to bounce off each other as well as the, the film seems to think they did. 
but it it had some nice gore in it. It had some some of the dialogue sometimes makes you go, we get it. You try to revolt us through disgusting dialogue, yeah. but it's a little bit boring now after this many films. Just you, you're better at other things, so stick to that. And it does seem like some of the dialogue is just to make him self laugh rather than entertain anybody else. It did feel a little bit like that had more, uh, this had more than, like you say, Lords of Salem had. Overall, and I didn't dislike it, but I probably, I won't watch it again, let's say, whereas I could see myself watching Lords of Salem again. I have watched Devil's Rejects, uh, and House of a Thousand Corpses a couple of times, but I probably won't watch this again. Uh, but then again, I'm saying that, um, when the if it does get released the uh, full uncut version of it then I might watch that so you know he's still a director that I would consider myself a fan of and I like but I wouldn't try and defend him to anybody (laughs) yeah yeah I I think that's fair I mean that's the thing it's really really easy to write him off that's because it doesn't really seem like he grows but with the right subject matter, and if he just ch- chills out a bit with the with with the dialogue, yeah, then you know, I I, I don't know. I think people would have a, a, a lot easier time with him. I mean, he's got an he's got an eye for interesting, striking visuals. Um, yeah, I I think he gets good psychotic performances out of people. I mean, the Halloween films, I don't really like them very much, but I do like the. I do quite like the physicality of Michael Myers and yeah. how kind of like fuming he is, and I, 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 I you know, I, I think that's fun. It just it doesn't creep you out. It doesn't particularly gross you out. Um, I, I I'll, I'll talk about it in a bit, but there is a moment in the girl with all the gifts which disturbed and grossed me out at the same time more than I think Rob Zombie is ever capable of doing. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, it does, there are moments that do hit that kind of primal pleasure centre, oh fucking hell kind yeah. of kind of thing. And those moments are in this film. I will say as well, the very end, it did kind of feel like he just gave up and didn't really know what to do. It felt like it felt like there was a, there was an ending staring him in the face. Yeah, and then it just cuts to black. But 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 he forgot to do it. Yeah. It, it feels a little bit like he, he'd watch it now and go, shit, why don't I do this? Oh, fuck, why don't I do this? Can we... C- c- we can't do it now, can we? No. No, it's been out for five years, Rob. <laughs> fuck! Yeah. Shit, shit, shit. Because what... Because and, and, it finished, and after it, um, Bex said to me, do you know that should have ended? And I was like, pause. Before you say it, Let's see if it's the same way I thought it should have ended. And she said that it should have cut back. And I was like, could have cut back to the opening monologue? And she was like, yeah. I said, and she said, and Doomhead, uh, she, and um, Shaman Zombie's character should have been stood behind Doomhead and should have killed that guy. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly, exactly the same as I was going to say. Yeah, that would work. And yeah. it would have worked. And it would have, it would have been, it would have kind of made sense. But it didn't. It just kind of ended, and then you got the back of a bus, and I'm going. 
No, is that it? It's it's the idea of an ambiguous ending, and I get the idea of the the uh, the ambiguous ending but it, where it does, it doesn't he, he pulls the knives out and it looks like he's giving them to her, or is he not, or, or what? But it's just no, you you can't you can't do an Inception ending, Rob. I'm sorry, you can't. You can't have that movie and then try and do an ambiguous ending. It doesn't make sense. Well, it, 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 yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like he knows where yeah. he's going. Whereas with Inception, like it was, you, yeah. you know, Christopher Nolan in his head knows what the what the answer is. Yes. Whereas, whereas yeah, it, he doesn't. It is just, it, it is, it, it quite literally is the fucking campfire scene at Stand by Me of well, what happens next? Well, I don't know. Well, no, what happens next? Well, maybe she just goes home and eats a couple of cheese legs. <laughs> it, it is literally that is in Rob Zombie's mind right now. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, visually, he, he's. I think that's that's what keeps him going and what keeps him having fans is there's always something going on in in his um, in, in every frame of of, of his films. It, it's like you, there's, there's bits where you're looking at and he's going. Uh, you get the feeling Rob Zombie's going. Could we could we have more grime on this toilet door in the background and could I have a bit more blood there uh, and Nazi dwarf you need to be more oh, Mexican yeah uh, which I thought was fantastic he's the least scary thing that has ever existed yet he he, he kind of played on that a little bit <laughs> yeah I, was, I wasn't big on it I wasn't big on it it was just like it was let's just, put let's put a random bunch of words together and just <laughs> like in human form Latino Nazi dwarf I don't know, I mean it, it, I don't know it's just like microwave umbrella Canada yes <laughs> which now I'm visualising in the style of a Rob Zombie movie and it kind of I'm looking at it going makes as much sense yeah 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 it it, it it's it's so fucking bizarre, but for me, it kind of worked that bit. It, it worked better than the than the two um, chainsaw wielding brothers. Yeah, I mean they were very forgettable. I mean at least Sex and Death had a, a bit of like visual, yeah, stuff going for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean those brothers, they they were they were not good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so. Uh, I, I, I forgot to ask our audience about 31, to be honest. Mind, eh? um, so I apologise to, to, to you people. Know, you'd only insult them anyway, Mark. So, yeah. I fucking was a fucking bunch of fucking dicks. Um, so <laughs> they're probably a fucking... Uh, but let, let's say... Uh, let's make it up. Let, let, let's do like a whose line is it anyway and just fucking make up the scars. So um, where are you on it, uh, Ian? Uh, touching cloth. Don't touching hate cloth. It. Don't hate it. Don't, can't particularly recommend it. But, you know, to be fair, probably better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, that's where I am. I, 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 I didn't enjoy it enough to say it's definitely not shit because I do think it's a little bit shit. But I, I, it's not shit enough for me to say it's it's shit. It is touching cloth, uh, which does feel a bit of a cop out. But it, it is. I will still keep watching Rob Zombie movies, hoping that he mellows, not not mellows, but just gets a little bit of centers a little bit more and gets a little bit more focus uh, within them and delivers a properly good fucking horror movie but I get the feeling that he maybe doesn't want to uh, to be honest um, and like I can say we'll make up the audience so they said definitely not shit 200% and um, 
touching cloth 45% and shit 800%. Um, so, yeah, what have you been watching this week, Ian? Um, yeah, so I, I just mentioned it in, in brief there, so I may as well start off with it. Uh, the Girl with All the Gifts. Um, so, I just decided to go and see a 10 to 10 showing of it last <laughs> night. Last night yeah. um, like, it was just like, Lottie was asleep, and like I was just thinking, sod it. I could watch the last 40 minutes of this finished horror film I'm watching on the LFF online library, or I could watch the rest of that tomorrow and just um, go see the girl with all the gifts, because it hasn't done that well. So I was a little wary that it might be disappearing quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's strange it hasn't done well, because it, it, it has had a lot of exposure. Yeah, it's yeah. that's the thing. It's had a lot of press. It's had really good reviews. Like... Not a bad thing I've heard about it. I do maintain though that the the trailer was crap. The trailer is is bad. The trailer is straight up is bad. Um, it doesn't really make it kind of like the, the, the central conceit is kind of there, but it's like right, so it's kids, but like sometimes they go zombie-ish, and one of them likes Gemma Arterton and what's going on. That's kind of what the trailer is. Um, so it's uh, basically story is um, it's a it's essentially the the Last of Us has happened. Yeah, that that, that that's kind of it really. <laughs> um, so um, there's a, a, a like a fungal infection uh, which um, has turned most of the human race, or at least in in the UK into hungries there are kids that for reasons i will let the film explain because i'll be honest i heard why the kids were kind of half and half before seeing the film and i think it actually kind of spoiled a particular revelatory scene about two-thirds of the way through the film Uh. i think would have been more powerful had i not known yeah um so yeah, um, so you got these kids. Gemma Arterton plays uh, this teacher, and uh, I've got to get the girl's name because I'm—I feel like I'm quite disrespectful for t- child actors on this show. So, um, Senia Nuna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. That's 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 as good a pronunciation as I would as I would make. I think. So. Um, yeah, she is uh, the girl with all the gifts, uh, Melanie. Um, and Gemma, she takes a liking to Gemma Arterton. Gemma Arterton likes her, just in a completely, like yeah. almost kind of mother daughter type of way. There's nothing like that going on. It's not. It's not like um, um, Morgan. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. It's not like the, the Morgan and the, that woman in Morgan. Um, so Paddy Constein plays a military guy, and Glenn Close plays a scientist. Um, shit goes down, and the kind of military base they're on is overrun by Hungries. And uh, the three of them and like a couple of like uh, military guys uh, have to try and basically go to Beacon, which is essentially the uh, the kind of the stronghold that humanity still has. Um, Melanie, it, it, Glenn Close basically wants to dissect Melanie um, for her um, 
because as she thinks that they'll be able to find a vaccine for this fungal thing, um, Gemma Arterton doesn't particularly want her to be dissected, and Paddy Considine learns to respect the girl as as it goes on. Because basically these kids are seen as not kids, they are seen as infected monsters who uh, replicate learned behaviour um, around them to try and basically get people to come close to them so that they can turn feral and eat them, essentially. Um, so they, they kind of think that the, fung the fungal thing is almost using their being a kid precociousness to uh, like uh, ward off the sense of danger. Which in itself makes them more dangerous. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, like I say, very. If you've played The Last of Us, the visual template of this film is incredibly reminiscent. The makeup of the Hungries is incredibly reminiscent. The relationship between, um, even the relationship between Paddy Considine and and uh, Senior Nanua. Um, is kind of reminiscent of Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us as well. Um, so it's quite Last of Us-y. But yeah. there's quite, it's quite an interesting feminine angle on it. Three of the four le leads are, are women. Um, and I, the, the relationship between the two girls is, is actually really, really well played. Um you you see why Gemma Arterton likes uh, senior. I'm just going to call her Melanie. I'm sorry. Why, why <laughs> she likes Melanie? You see why Melanie likes Helen Gemma Arterton's character. Um, the film is incredibly tense in moments. That visual that I referenced in the 31 review, I had to look away partly. Um, it's something. The setup is something I've never seen before in a, in a zombie film, even though there probably has been in the zombie film, which is incredibly eerie. But there, then there's a kind of a, like a revelation about something that's being hidden within this, and that was fucking rank. Um, so uh, yeah, there, there's that as well. Um, the third act, I'm surprised I haven't heard this before. There, there are some antagonists, and then maybe it's because it's spoilery, so maybe I shouldn't say. There are antagonists in the third act who have costume design which feels very much like... Bloody hell, what's he? Um, mild, just mild, mild, mild spoiler alert, because maybe if you actually know about this going in, it might, you might be more comfortable with it. There are antagonists at the end that feel like the Lost Boys from Hook. <laughs> and it's a little... Jarring? What the fuck? Yeah, it sounds it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, fair play, the kids, the kids play their roles well, but... Or, or it looks like, you know, the, uh, the feral kid from the Road Warrior. Yes. Re replicated 20 times. And it is a bit like, okay, well, you've watched the Road Warrior then. Well, d really? Um, yeah. So it, and, and the thing is, like I say, I think maybe if you know that going in, it y you might be a bit more prepared Forgiving. for it. Yeah, because I was a bit, oh, no, really, no, no, <laughs> okay, what? But... The third act, um, 
kind of makes good with a really ballsy ending, which manages to balance hope and really fucking harrowing all at the same time. And was quite was quite something. The title has many meanings, and the ending is like, okay, yep, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I think it's pretty worth its acclaim, even if it did kind of feel like the, the director and the production designer really liked The Last of Us, and, and The Road Warrior, and Hook. <laughs> And hook. Um, but very well acted, very tense where it needs to be, um, upsetting where it needs to be, manages to just about not outstay its welcome. It's about an hour 50. I'm, I'm glad it was about there. I think if it was any shorter, you'd be losing character stuff. If it was any longer, they'd be flab. Um, it won't be in my top 10 at, at the end of the year because that last act was so jarring for me. Yeah. Um, and... Because I did kind of feel like the visuals were quite uninspired, though did, did the film, I think it was made for like £4 million, which isn't that much money. Um, I, I also, there's some CG blood splatters. Um, there, there's kind of what looks like a 21st century matte painting in, in a couple of moments, which is a little like, is that trying to be retro or is that just a bit rubbish? <laughs> um, but it, it, th- th- these are minor complaints. You know, the fact that this is what I'm picking holes with kind of shows that the rest of the film is is worth your time. I'd say. Yeah, it's a, it's a good cast, isn't it? So... A good cast, well acted. It is tense. Uh, the story is engaging. Um, yeah, man, it, it's it 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 does it it does itself well. So cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, okay. Uh, I also watched uh, just a couple of things actually. Uh, De Palma, which you talked about last week, yeah, really solid. Holy mackerel, very entertaining. <laughs> he does say holy mackerel a lot. Yeah, and I, I, I like how he just completely bats away all the accusation uh, accusations of like sexism and stuff. The the drill bit where he's just like, well, people are saying, why is the drill so big? It body double. Well, it had to get through the floor. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like. Yeah, all right. Were you really thinking that at the time that you wrote this? Yes, that makes sense, you fortunate bastard. But, okay, fine. Very entertaining, though. Like, it, it really whips through everything, and yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, And I watched Sisters. Oh, the um, horrible-looking Tina Fey film. Polar one. Yeah, which is fine. I laughed enough. It's nearly two hours long, or is actually is two hours long. Way too long. Tina Fey, when she's doing the... I'm so fucking crazy, everyone. Look at how crazy I am. I'm crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I'm dancing to hip-hop. Yeah, I'm cool. Nah. <laughs> yeah. This sounds like the sort of film I'd be watching and just punching myself in the yeah, face. Yeah, it's it, it, a little nails on chalkboard for you, I reckon, bud. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I, I, it, 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 was, it was fine. 7 out of 10. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. It's fine. I, I actually think Amy, po- Amy Poehler was not bad in it. Um, she's a bit more chill than she than she has been, and I enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's sisters. Cool. And was that that night for what you watched this week? Yeah, I've, I've only got a couple as well, actually. Um, I rewatched Casualties of War um, from the you know inspired party by the De Palma. Um, 
well, film. Um, and then noticed it was only three ninety nine on iTunes, so I thought, ooh, yeah, that's well worth well worth getting um, and watching. Um, it, it kind of was infamous in our house for when I watched it with Becky uh, about six months after we started dating, so we were both like 16. Um, I, I watched it then with her, and I'd seen it before, and she hadn't. Um, and have you seen Gadget of War? Um, like fucking years ago. I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you a thing about it, to be honest. Uh, well, the, 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 the scene where the girl uh, is, is, is shot... Um, Becky made me turn the video off then and didn't talk to me for like a week um, afterwards uh, second, that's uh, two De Palmas that that's happened with, um, to be honest De Palma has, has caused caused issues in our relationship on two occasions, uh, also happened with Callie as well, when he, when, he, uh, when he dies at the end um, yeah, she didn't talk to me for a week after that either <laughs> I genuinely mean, didn't talk to me for a fucking week no. uh, so yeah, rewatch um, Cash's War the um, for anyone who doesn't know, it is, it's based upon um, a real uh, event. Um, South Michael J. Fox and Sean Penn. You've also got John C. Riley and John uh, Leguizamo as well uh, in there. Uh, so, and Hope McCartney turns up for like one scene, which is quite amusing for the fact that it's weird to think that Hope McCartney's been around for that long, but it, it still most people don't know his name. Um, yeah, the story is that... that um, Sean Penn is a sergeant um, reserve in this, and his little sort of platoon is sent on a uh, essentially like a walking mission where they've got to go from one place to another. Um, and um, Sean Penn decides that they're going to detour a little bit to a, a village, pick up a girl, uh, and essentially use her along the way. We'll say. Um, Michael J. Fox, character at the time, uh, who has only been there for a, a few weeks, thinks they're joking, uh, but it turns out that, that they're not, that they are actually going to do that. Uh, Michael J. Fox's character keeps on constantly questioning it, um, to which Sean Penn's character keeps on constantly, essentially, bullying him about it. Um, it's... I know the department actually even mentions it that essentially he tried to remake Casualty of War with uh, Redacted uh, and failed miserably uh, with it. Uh, because of War still still holds up uh, now, it's still got a lot of uh, punch to it, uh, a lot of sort of where it's it, it's one of those sort of um, Vietnam films that's kind of got lost. Um, in sort of the fact that there was a lot more better uh, Vietnam movies um, around at the time, but it doesn't diminish the kind of of it being very good. But it doesn't use Vietnam as an excuse for what's going on. Um, it, it basically it doesn't even try and use war as an excuse for what's going on. It, it says that people would try and use these as an excuse for what's going on. And people will try and use war in Vietnam especially as, as an excuse for these these horrible things that, that, that were happening. But Casual War is very much says you know to itself and to, to its audience, that's bullshit. Wrong is wrong, no matter whether it's a war or not. And that's why it gives the the idea when people try and explain it, they they, they can't. And the well it's it, it, it's war and it's it, war there's nothing else to it. It still still holds up. It's still quite quite uncomfortable to watch at points, but very well very well kind of acted by a, a young cast who are just playing basically frazzled throughout it and confused and angry. 
Um, it's yeah, it, it stores up very well. Three ninety nine on iTunes is a bit of a bargain, to be honest. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and the other thing I watched was a film called Waffle Street, um, <laughs> which uh, crops up. It's one of those those ones that crops up on um, Netflix that you scroll by loads, and uh, and then eventually you might stop off and go, but no. Well, I stop off on those films and go, that sounds alright then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll watch that. Uh, it's those James uh, Lafferty, who I I'm, um, I gleamed is from a TV show called One Tree Hill, uh, which I, I haven't seen. Um, and it also said Danny Glover. Um, so, yeah, James Lafferty plays uh, Jimmy Adams. It's based on a real story, this actually. It's, uh, and he plays a guy who gets laid off from Wall Street when he... He essentially strikes a deal um, in the during the uh, crash, where by he knows it's it's that there's it's the deal is immoral, but technically it's not illegal. But the company also know that it's immoral and technically not illegal. So what they do is they get him to make the deal and set the deal up and everything, and then fire him so that they can blame him if it goes wrong. Right, okay. and they can blame him for the immoral thing. So this guy is essentially done everything he's supposed to do and he comes across as being a nice guy and he's aware of the fact that what he's doing is wrong but the company's mantra that he worked for i don't think it was in real life but within the film the company's mantra was if it was if it was wrong it'd be illegal (laughs) (laughs) so he kind of goes along with that even though you get an idea that he, he knows it's not right so when he gets laid off um he's He's never he's never had to apply for a job or anything, and he he becomes very well aware of this that he's never had to fill an application form because he was um, sort of headhunted straight out of college, etc. And that he doesn't know he's he gets accused by his, his 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 grandfather of never doing like an honest day's work in his life, and he kind of goes, Do you know what? I've not I've not really done an honest day's work since I was fifteen, so. Maybe I should do that. And it leads him to uh, going and getting a um, job at uh, a place called Papa... I think it's called Papa John's Waffle House, I think it's called. Sweet. Or Papa's Waffle, uh, Chicken and Waffles. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be Papa John's. I think they might be getting... Yeah, so, they might be get, yeah, yeah. that's where that came from. It's Papa's Chicken and Waffles, which is a, a, a 24-hour waffle diner. Uh, and one of the guys who works the grill there is Danny Glover. Um and he gets this idea that the the guy who owns this franchise is selling the franchise so he gets this idea that he's he's going to buy it he's going to buy this this papa's uh, chicken waffles franchise um but he needs to clock up a thousand hours before he can buy the the franchise but he also doesn't really know what he's doing there so the story is him getting better at the job him trying to convince his uh wife that they should be buying this um this you know this franchise and you know he sells his house and his car and completely alters his life so that he can he can clock up these thousand hours to buy and get the money to buy this you know this franchise whilst all the way through it you're watching it going the problem is all the way through it you're looking at going no you're wrong you shouldn't be doing this you should be using this these two business degrees you've got to go out and get a better job (laughs) so you can support your now pregnant wife 
who's being quite nice about this, but you're having like you're, you're having a find yourself moment. We get it. But the problem is he's such a nice guy in it that you kind of are rooting for him, but you're rooting for him to do something else and rooting for him to do something better. Um, but yeah, it's it's 85 minutes long. Um, it's funny, but never hilarious. Uh, it never goes for too much drama, but it is very much that kind of indie, spindy kind of thing. That, that these movies all are. But it sounds like an indie schmindy thing, which is maybe better than most indie schmindy things. Are. Yeah, yeah. It, it is because it's it it's it's a really nice, sweet film that it's not trying to say too much. It's definitely saying something, but it's not trying to force it down your throat or anything like that. And it is the the, the drama that's in it. It shows you all like the, these real world problems of these guys, but it doesn't try and overblow them or anything like that. There's no great massive emotional moments, and it, it is just a story of a guy who has kind of it, it, he's been kicked in the teeth by an industry that he's dedicated his life to, and now he wants to kind of do something different. And it, it is he, he's just too nice for that industry. He's not ruthless enough, uh, and. That kind of marries across, but it's. I'd say it's worth a watch tonight. It's it's a mild recommend. Is watch the trailer if you like the look of the trailer, then that is the movie. Because I watched the trailer before and I thought, right, what kind of is this? Is this more waiting or is it more something a little bit more substantial? Am I going to get gross out comedy? And you do get there is a gross out moment, but the gross out moment kind of makes sense in the film, and it's not a a gross-out moment of... It's it's not a forced gross-out moment. It is just... This is something that disgusting that happens at, at these type of fast-food places. Okay. So, yeah, yeah it's... It, it, it's I'd say it's a, it's a mild recommend. Like I, said, I watched it on a Tuesday morning um, because I was quiet at work today so I, and I had nothing to do, so I was like, right, fine. There we go. And that was a perfect time to watch it. It is the sort of thing you could you could quite easily watch, Ian. First half of it on your way to work on the train and the second half on your way home on the train. Nice. Sounds good. That, that's it. And you'll finish it and you'll go, do you know what? That was all right. Sweet. That was all right. It's fine. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, Waffle Street. So that was all I've watched uh, this, this week. I've had a, um, a busiest week. Nice. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm also done. Cool, right. Uh, I think we've had one question uh, from our audience, which was... Let me find it. Uh, from Rick Kidd, uh, at Rick J. Kidd. Uh, after, the US political, after the US presidential debate, which politician from a film would make a better president than Trump or Clinton? I don't know, President Comancho, um, Bill Pullman in Independence Day. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, Kurt Russell in uh, Executive Decision. Oh, that would do. That would do. Harrison Ford in Air Force One. Yes. Get off my plane. Yes, there's some good ones. A bit, a, a lot, a lot. Even Jack Nicholson in uh, Mars Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> for sure. Would make a better president than, than 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 Trump. Let's just say. But then again, most things would. Most things would. That. That thing, um, like those dogs that yap and jump up, up, jump around in circles. I think they would have more political kind of gravitas than Donald Trump. I would believe it. 
Yeah. Because, you know, at least at least if they sort of set off nuclear weapons, it was just because they flipped in the wrong direction. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's fucking terrifying, <laughs> to be honest. And we don't even live in America, and it's fucking terrifying. So for our American listeners, it just must be horrible and horrendous, unless you are a Trump supporter, in which case you are just horrible and horrendous. Well, yes. uh, so, yeah. Um, but then you've also got to look at the facts here. When Clinton is seen as the same choice, it, it, it's it, you know she's hardly fucking perfect herself, is she? But uh, that's the fucking problem, isn't it? It's like but, she's kind of got enough like things that he can have a go at. Yeah. To, but but I, I kind of do feel like if 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 you left, let's say, if if you left Hillary Clinton to look after your dog. You'd come back and the dog would have been fed, it'd have been let out and everything like that. But let's be honest, she'll have trained it to do loads of tricks that you don't know about to fuck with you. And she'll have somehow made money off it that you don't know about. And you'll be going, why does he keep disappearing on a Tuesday afternoon? And I'm sure that's our dog in this Marks and Spencer's advert. <laughs> it really does look like our fucking dog, that, doesn't it? Whereas you'd, you'd, you'd come home after going away for two weeks if, if Trump had looked after it, and it would just be dead. And you'd ring him, and he just wouldn't answer the phone. And then, and then eventually you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd, you'd sort of you'd see him at like a party or something like that, and he'd try and avoid you. And you'd go, what happened to the dog? And he'd go, I, I never said I'd look after your dog. Then you did. You, I got a text saying... Yes, Mark, I, I, I'll look after your dog. Uh, Mexicans raped him and, and killed him. Yeah. Well, I never said he was raped. Well, they probably did rape him. If they killed him, the Mexicans, they'll have raped him. Without question. Nice. ISIS killed him. ISIS bombed him. You just said it was Mexicans, Donald. ISIS bombed Mex- your dog. ISIS, uh, yes, that is what would happen. So Hillary would make money off it and put it on Marks and Spencer's advert, and Trump would would would, would, claim, would, would essentially just abandon it and claim that ISIS bombed it. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, so there, there you go. But Kurt Russell from executive decision. Uh, <laughs> Ian. That escalated quickly. Escalated so quickly. <laughs> Ian, what are we covering next week? Uh, so, double review, farting corpse film, Swiss Army Man, which I'm pretty pumped for. Um, pretty pumped for? Zing. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Deepwater Horizon, yes. Yes. Um... I'm looking forward to both of them for different reasons. Yeah, for very different reasons, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, yeah, I, I'm still, I, I'm intrigued about the angle that Deepwater Horizon's going to take. That has me very intrigued. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, uh, it's, yeah. It, apparently it's it's a very angry film, and I'm up for that. Oh, but yes, I am as well, actually, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to watching that at a nice early morning screening. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, so that was episode um, 178 um, of Dude and a Monkey. Um, Dudeandamonkey.com. Um, yeah, at DudeFoz, at Ian Loring, at Dude and a Monkey. Uh, you don't have to wait for us to ask for questions. If you think of a question you want to ask while you're listening to the show, then ping it across to us and we'll answer it on the, the next show. Uh, beyond that, thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you next week. Bye.